One of my spiritual gifts is stating the obvious. I said that one time to Pastor John, who said, I don't find that in Ephesians 5 or in Romans, you know, and I just, anyway. Um, But in thinking about this and in praying about this and um, in light of things that happened yesterday in Odessa, Texas, I feel it's really important to just go over some basic things. A lot of times in church, you're not going to hear anything brand new. You know, if you've been in church more than five minutes, you know, you've probably heard a lot of the stories and you've, you know, but, but that's not always the point. It's not always, um, sometimes we need to be reminded of basic things. And I think where we are as a country, and I think where we are um, in, in a lot of places, we need to look at things real seriously. And so I think, number one, we have to realize the battle and that it's spiritual. And it's for individuals, it's for our children, it's for our country, it's for our future. And this is not just about America, but all over the world. So I think we have to recognize um, how did we open the door to lawlessness and, and all that goes on. And I know immediately when things like this happen, you know, people immediately start talking about different things that they're concerned about. Um, but it, and, and we don't know why the man did what he did yesterday. But I think we could all agree that it brought chaos and death. And that is not of God. And whether it was a mental illness or other things, um, a lot of people were affected. And in fact, an entire nation. And in fact, it goes all around the world. And so I'm not trying to make simple Uh, responses to a very complicated situation and not trying to make light of what happened. But I feel like that as we see things that continue uh, to go on, um, and I think God protects us far more than we know, far more than we know. But I I think we start with repentance. I think we start with how did we grieve your spirit? And I'm not trying to equal what happened yesterday to, you know, we've offended God completely. But I think as a nation, um, I'm not a big fan of Oprah. I'm not not a fan, but I'm just kind of, you know, don't have the time, really. Um, But she commented that America has, I think she said, lost their moral fiber. Or, you know, the fact that it just seems to be released You know, um, I don't own a gun. I'd be really happy to be behind the guy that has a gun, you know, if something happened. Uh, My brother's hunted. My father's hunted. You know, I mean, I don't really think it's about guns. I think it's about a lot of other things. And I do think there is a lot of just spiritual stuff that goes with it. So I think we have to, from time to time, we have to examine 
okay, God, how, how have we grieved you? And I'm not necessarily saying this church, lots of you are saying, I am really glad I came this morning versus being at the lake. Um, but, but what do we do with that? What do we do with that? And I think part of it is repentance. I think part of it is looking at where our nation is and what we've allowed and, and, and what we um, minimize. And I think we fight, you know, how do you fight it? And fight it in a good word, I get it. But what do we do about it? And I think the total answer is prayer. I think it's absolutely prayer. And I think that's where it starts. And there may be other things God shows us to do, but I think we start in prayer. There was a season um, in this church where we were um, not knowing who the new senior pastor would be, and we were focused in prayer, right? I mean, we were praying for the guy, right? And we wound up getting a guy we did not, I mean, he, his name wasn't even on the table. And, and he's the one that God sent And I am incredibly grateful for him. And one of the first things he said is, we need to be about praying. And he set up times where he wants people to come into the sanctuary and pray. And he wants people, like in the prayer room, to pray while we're doing service and that kind of thing. He talked about spiritual warfare, acknowledging that we're going through spiritual warfare. You know, we can, we can say, oh, yeah, that's true, or we can say, no, I don't think so. But when it kind of slaps you in the face, you kind of have to be aware that maybe something is going on. About in May, in my quiet time, I felt like I clearly got, now is not the time to relax in prayer. And I don't know about you, but I kind of wanted to relax. It's like we got the new senior pastor, we're good, Right? And yet I felt like God was saying, now is not the time to relax. Which I was kind of like, okay, and so we need to pray. Spiritual warfare, um, when you just look at some of the things going on with the staff, there have been people that have had pretty serious health issues. Um, Cindy Jay has had the pleasure of having an MRI and a sonogram and other things, and and I'm here to declare she is cootie-free. Um, but not that we were worried, um, but some pretty serious health issues. Uh, Jen McGill is over our finance and business and all of that, and Jen had a pretty hard week. Um, Jen, on Monday, was it Monday? I'm looking for Jen, and I'm totally missing her. So on Monday, um, Jen got the call, and I think it was from Mason. Was Mason the one that found the prize? Mason for the win. Um, Monday, Mason went home from school and discovered that the dog, who is still alive, I will admit to you, um, right? The dog's still alive? Okay. Um, the dog had left what my father called calling cards, and that was evidence of the dog's digestive process. Do I need to be more, y'all got it? Everybody's good? So the dog had decided to do that during the day, and, uh, the Roomba, Josh is really laughing here, Jen, so you may want to cut his check or something next time. Anyway, um, the Roomba was scheduled, and the Roomba did its job. 
And I don't know if Mason needs therapy over what he found. Uh, but I'm guessing it was pretty gross. Yes. Mason, yeah, Mason says yes. And all that had to be cleaned up. Right? And then there's the problem of what's in the Roomba. You with me? So while she said it was horrible cleaning up the floors everywhere, everywhere, they have new floors, by the way, right? So they've been thoroughly, you know. Um, so they had to do that. Her shoe broke before she left work. It was not a good day. Fair enough? So then on Thursday, her car, Wednesday, her car just quits working on park right in front of Prestonwood. Now, it's not busy, right? <laughs> and y'all know how I feel about uh, car repairs, right? Well, right underneath that is your car stopping on a busy street, and you can't get it to start again, right? So she was able to get it to start again, and all of that kind of stuff. And they've, anyway, uh, the dealership, because the other guys couldn't fix it, um, have informed them that... Uh, it will be repaired at a cost. And so part of that is not just the hassle of all of that, because we all deal with that, but part of that is when stuff like that happens, we also pray. When people get sick or get a bad diagnosis or something happens, we pray. We ask for God's provision. We ask for his healing. We recognize the battle. And those can be pretty minor. You know, I mean, I know it wasn't minor when you're cleaning up the stuff on the floor But some of those can be minor. Some people have faced major things, major things. And so when there are health issues, when there are things going on, um, we have to realize that we are in a battle. I think part of the battle is when a country, a group, whoever begins to diminish the authority of scripture I just think that causes huge problems and if and if scripture's diminished and I'm not trying to mess with anybody but I'm just saying when we when we minimize you know in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God and all of that when we minimize that I think we open the door to a lot of stuff and so I just encourage you, in, in, as we think about this together, um, what is really important? What is our focus? What do we really need to focus on? What really matters? Bottom line, what counts for eternity? And I know a whole lot of what we do is not eternity. I know that when you have to wash the clothes or put gas in the car or cook dinner or whatever it is, that I get it, those things, there are things we need, but it may not be of eternal significance. If you summarize the gospel, it comes down to that, that Jesus came to earth. Jesus was born as a baby, grew up, walked among us full of grace and truth. How he was the one that um, would just look at people and they would be healed. It wasn't always touch, but sometimes he would look at them and they would be healed. He would speak the word and they would be healed. So, miracles, miracles. He was crucified. 
died and he was buried and he rose again and he ascended. And to me, that is the heart of the gospel. And the simple Sunday school answer is, the answer is Jesus, right? But it really is for people that are broken and messed up. And it's so easy for us to get so used to gathering like this. And it's so easy to forget the people who can't. Because they'd be put in jail. So I think we have to look seriously at what are our priorities. And as, as much as we may struggle with where things are, in the United States, I was reminded of John Wesley, founder of Methodism, who didn't really plan to found, found Methodism, and that was kind of a, you know, diss, sort of. Um, they started with gathering together. They started with asking each other hard questions. How is it with your soul today? And they gathered in small groups. John Wesley said at the beginning of his ministry and when he was in ministry that the word for England would be ungodliness. It was a mess. And that's where the great awakening started. That's where the spirit of God started moving in that day and in that time. With Wesley, one of his uh, co-workers in the gospel was George Whitfield, And George Whitfield was known for just his amazing ability to speak and speak eloquently and crowds would gather, I mean, thousands upon thousands upon thousands to hear him. And he was just very passionate and, and an incredible speaker. John Wesley, not so much. John Wesley, when he spoke, I don't think it... I don't think it was very good. Now, I'm, I'm older, you know, but I wasn't actually there. But with John Wesley, um, he was pretty dry. And he shared the sermon. And, and people came to the Lord. The Spirit of God moved. But it wasn't based upon his clever speaking. It was based upon how God was moving. George Whitfield, at the end of his life, said that the bulk of the Great Awakening was due to people like Wesley who started the small groups where people could gather. He said, yes, I spoke to great crowds. And, and when he was finished speaking, he would, he would have to rest for the rest of the day because he had just poured himself out in the sermon. John Wesley would finish, get on his horse, ride to the next town, and preach again. Whitfield said that, yes, I spoke to huge crowds but it was like ropes of sand because they had no place to plug in Wesley established a place where people could gather and people could be in small groups and people could care for each other and encourage each other and teach so I want you to think with me about what is really significant in your life in praying about this, and I prayed a lot for several weeks, I knew that, I mean, we didn't know that John's dad would get ill, but he was planning to be gone this weekend. And what I kept getting was, keep your eye on the ball. Now, this is football season in Texas, right? And I get it, that's not really a spiritual term. I mean, it's like, okay, what scripture? <laughs> what scripture do I use with that? Um, and when I told John about it, Thursday was when he got the news about his dad that he was not doing well and he needed to get there. And, 
And so when he was saying, what are you going to preach on? I said, well, what I keep getting is keep your eye on the ball. And he kind of looked at me and I, I said, I've borrowed a football. And, and he said, well, you know, that's a baseball term. And I was like, well, yes, I knew that. I didn't say that to my boss, you know, yes, you know, I have played ball before, um, But here's the deal. Do we keep our eye on the ball in sports? It's a problem if you don't, right? Now, if you love badminton, I'm sorry, you know? I mean, it's wonderful if you do, but that doesn't doesn't connect. But soccer, basketball, baseball, football, right? Volleyball, says the mama of a volleyball queen. Um, so, So what is that? What is that? I think for us, we have to look at the things that really count. And I think part of that, I don't think that's like another meeting at church or serving on a committee, although we all are going to be asking about that pretty soon. But what are the fundamentals of your life? What are the most important things? What are your priorities? A lot of times I hear people talk about, okay, when I get to, when I get out of school, or when I get out of college, or when I get a new job, or when I can retire, you know, then things will be good. And sometimes we so put that off that we lose sight of today. So how are you today? And where are you with the Lord? I would ask you who speaks into your life. Who speaks into your life? I can't, I can't claim this quote, but I heard someone say one time, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I would just say, especially to youth, and I'm sorry for hitting on y'all or people in college, but oh my goodness, who speaks into your life? Who do you hang out with? And, and while it's cool to have all kinds of friends, who do you really listen to? Who makes a difference for you? And I would just say college, I think going off to college can be one of the most dangerous times because it's easy to kind of your way from mom and dad or, you know, in part maybe. Even if you're staying here, things are different. Who speaks into your life? Who do you listen to? And who do you speak into? Are we faithful regardless of our situation in life? Are we faithful to trust God that he will redeem and he will restore and he will move? That needs to be our prayer for our country. It needs to be the prayer for this church that God would move. Sometimes the battle is indicative that you're doing the right thing. Sometimes it's almost confirmation of what God is doing. I want to share with you a scripture from the Amplified. I did not take Greek and Hebrew. Um, This will involve glasses, sorry. But the Amplified elaborates on Greek, um, and so listen to it. When it talks about the armor of God, to me the most significant thing is that we stand in God's power. And they were using that terminology because they all understood Roman soldiers and they all understood um, 
They had seen that. So listen to what Paul says. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide belt of truth, personal integrity, and moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness an upright heart, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace and preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific request at all times, on every occasion, and in every season in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all of God's people. And then Paul adds, and pray for me that words may be given to me when I open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of salvation, for which I am an ambassador in chains. I think we all, myself included, um, have to guard ourselves against becoming numb against horrific headlines. I think just because sometimes we hear them, um, the things that are going on are not honoring God. And, and however we need to be a part of repentance for our nation, uh, repentance in general, I think that's very critical. And so we come to communion and you're invited to a table. And it is the word made flesh who dwelt among us, laid down his life, that we might have forgiveness of sins. And so as we come to communion um, and we receive it, it is more than just taking the bread or the cup. It is recognizing his fullness. And so whatever you need to put down when you kneel here, I encourage you to do so. If it is hopelessness or if it is fear or despair or worry or whatever it is, it can stay right here. And he is more than able to take it up.
He offers you peace. And he offers you his strength. He offers you healing. He offers you grace. He offers you salvation. And so as we take the bread and the cup, know what a privilege it is to be able to gather in his name and to receive in this holy moment what he laid down for us. Let's pray. So, oh God, we thank you for the gift of salvation. Lord, we do pray for our country. We pray for all countries. God, where forces of darkness have been released. God, we pray for your power to be demonstrated. We pray for healing. We pray for protection. And, oh God, where we have grieved your spirit, we repent. So we thank you that as we repent, that you remove our sin from us as the east is from the west, and you remember it no more. So, Lord, we lay all of that before you. And we thank you for the privilege of being here. We thank you for the privilege of gathering in your name. We thank you for the privilege of taking communion, that it is so much more than juice and bread. But, oh God, it is you inviting us to a meal that you have prepared so lavishly. So, Lord, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you. Heal us, Lord. Heal our land. Heal our church. In Jesus' name, amen.